Good morning. Let's get straight to markets. Take a look at the impact for the indices. Factual. Succinct. All you need to know before your trading day starts. Subscribe to our newsletter, CNBC's Daily Open. Hello and welcome to Beyond the Valley, the podcast that explores the world of tech. I'm Tom Chitty and with me is CNBC's senior tech correspondent Arjun Karpal. The CEO of Binance, the world's largest cryptocurrency exchange, has resigned and pleaded guilty to criminal charges as part of a $4.3 billion settlement with the United States Justice Department. Changpeng Zhao, commonly known as CZ, co-founded the company back in 2017, which went on to control half of the crypto market. In this week's episode, we're going to find out how CZ became one of the world's richest people. Where did he go wrong? And what's next for him, Binance, and the world of crypto? Beyond the Valley. So, pretty quiet week in the world of tech, Arjun? I woke up this morning and... I thought I was coming in to CNBC Studios here in London to talk about, you know, NVIDIA earnings. Um, and then overnight, this Binance news broke. And then, you know, we, we were about a minute into Squawk Box Europe. And then what hit the wires? This story about OpenAI, which we're going to talk about later on in the show. But it was, it was a crazy morning. What a morning. Sometimes, sometimes you want those mornings. And sometimes you don't. Yeah. I mean... I didn't mind it today. You know when, like, you know, an editor goes, oh, you know, what, what are you going to write about today? You know, what, what are the stories, you know, and you're really sort of scraping the barrel. Yeah. Not n- not today. Not today. It was it was more like, what am I not going to write about today? Yeah. It, yeah. Was, it was intense. But you sort of, you know, that's part of the excitement about what we do sometimes yeah you just would prefer maybe you could space it out a little bit is that too much to ask yeah do you like having your coffee before you begin your tasks in the morning or sort of some way halfway through uh i'm more halfway through is that is that just because you like it that way or because it's just necessity like you've got to get in to be fair actually it's a tea first first off uh then it's a coffee uh at about 11 o'clock um, just to sort of carry me to lunch. But I'm not really sure that listeners want to know about my dietary habits. I would like to hear about what our listeners think, really. And they can get in touch with us, can't they, Tom? They can. Uh, they can email in at beyondthevalley at cnbc.com and uh, we will discuss tea or coffee, what time of the day, um, all the important things that you know you want to know about. And tech. Exactly, and tech. Um so uh, we kind of know what we're going to be talking about as our main story, which is um, is Binance and uh, CZ. But uh, later in the episode, we'll also be talking about the dramatic ongoings at OpenAI, the leading generative artificial intelligence startup. Like a soap opera, this saga has had it all, shock, intrigue, and plenty of speculation. And the AI chip boom continues as US chip maker, Arjun mentioned earlier, NVIDIA is expected to triple its revenue for this current quarter. But there are big concerns over its exports to China. But before we get into that, we've got to hear Arjun's stat of the week, which is... 
completely forgot. <laughs> uh, you would have thought by yeah, now you would I, remember. Geez, every time. Right, we'll, have to, um, we'll have to edit that out. One second. Um, right. $10.2 billion, Tom. This number figure is correct as of now we're recording. Okay. So, good fluctuate. All right. Gives you a better clue there. $10.2 billion. Yeah. All right. Okay. Um, good. Um, and back to our main story. Binance CEO Chengpeng Zhao, one of the crypto industry's most recognizable and influential leaders, has quit the world's largest crypto exchange and could face time in prison. While this is a huge story, Arjun, are we surprised at the news because we did know that Binance and Zhao were under investigation? It's been an ongoing probe by the Department of Justice um, in the US towards uh, CZ and Binance broadly. So I don't think it's surprising that we now have a resolution to that. I think um, it seems to have been resolved, obviously, by this plea deal um, where CZ will step down um, as the CEO of Binance. Binance is going to take a multi-billion dollar charge as a result. Um, and they're promising effectively to comply now with with U.S. regulations. So I don't think it was a, it was a huge surprise, but perhaps there'd be many looking at it going, "Well, did he get off lightly? Um, and uh, was this actually in the end quite a good outcome for CZ?" I think those are some of the questions that might be swirling. Just to, for our listeners, just to spell out exactly kind of the criminal charges that were brought brought against uh, Binance, uh, they were. Um, they included conducting an unlicensed money transmitting business, violating the International Emergency Economic Powers Act and conspiracy. Uh, the exchange has agreed to $4.3 billion in fines. And Zhao personally uh, has pleaded guilty to violating and causing a financial institution to violate the Bank Secrecy Act. Uh, that's part of the plea agreement. And obviously, as... Um, Arjun has already mentioned the Department of Justice is recommending that the court impose a $50 million fine on Zhao. And just to spell, I mean, some of those out as well, what this really revolves around is the allegations that the exchange failed to establish sort of things like anti-money laundering programs. You know, these are things that, for example, banks have to adhere to. Um, and and they also allege the DOJ that Binance knowingly and willfully caused the supply of services to Iran in breach of U.S. sanctions um, on Iran. Um, so, so there's all these sort of different parts of it that were making up the case. And a lot of it revolved around anti-money laundering, U.S. sanctions. So quite, quite hefty charges against Binance there. Before we go um, and talk a little bit more about CZ and his backstory, um, I just want to um, remind our listeners that uh, if you want more on this story or keep up to date as the week progresses, then cnbc.com is the place to go. Uh, Mackenzie Sigalos, who was on a previous uh, episode uh, on Beyond the Valley uh, discussing a uh, Sam Bankman-Fried and that trial. She's been writing alongside our colleague here in London, Ryan Brown. Um, so there's uh, a bunch of really informative and well-written articles on the website. Uh, so please do check those out. But let's go back to CZ and understand a little bit more about who he is and how did he become, I think at one point, the 69th most richest man in the world. Um. 
So he started Binance in 2017. He's from China, was born in China, moved to Canada. Um, and, you know, in 2017, saw a lot of promise around the future of, of crypto. Uh, and hence, Binance uh, was born. Now, he'd worked in the crypto industry prior to that uh, as well. And he quickly um, steered Binance in towards a, a leading position in the markets. Now, he was a figure that was revered. I think, by a lot of people in the crypto community, by a lot of investors for sort of bringing a no-nonsense attitude uh, to uh, the the market. Uh, an interesting um, tweet he put out, um, some New Year's resolutions for 2023. Um, and he this was, you know, a few months ago, obviously before the, before the start of the year. Um, and he sort of had a list of do's and don'ts. Uh, I just want to read those out. I think it talks a little bit about his character. So number one, education. Number two, compliance. Number three, product and service. And number four, ignore FUD, which stands for F-U-D, fear, uncertainty, and doubt. It's a popular acronym in the cryptocurrency community who often think media outlets and other people are, are pouring fear, uncertainty, doubt on their industry. So number four, ignore FUD, fake news, attacks, etc. So number four, mm. ignore FUD, fake news, attacks, etc. And what he used to do is whenever there was an article about Binance in a negative light or something to do with CZ in a negative light, he used to sort of retweet it when Twitter was, was still Twitter or, or, or post, you know, now X, just with the number four. Just, just to sort of say, this is this, in my opinion, is fake news, and it sort of tells you about the kind of character. It's very outspoken, very vocal, very revered by the industry. I was at an event uh, earlier this year; he was there, um, and this was just after the collapse of FTX, which we'll go into because they are linked. And um, you know, people were f all around him, flo you know, just flocking around him, trying to get time with him, trying to speak to him, trying to get his views. He was almost like this oracle figure. Uh, in the crypto industry, so that was that was what I saw of him and what I've experienced of him. Um, and Tom, you've yeah, also yeah. well, I've, ne I've, I've never met him or or, or interviewed him, um, but I, I did go to a Binance event in Dubai a few years ago, about twenty twenty one, and um, yeah, held in the uh, the exchange, the Dubai exchange um, there. And huge room, um, and lots and lots of people, and very buzzy. Uh, you know, as you'd probably expect at, at that moment in time with the crypto industry absolutely flying. Um, but uh, yeah, there's some real characters. I, I, the one thing that got me was that I was sort of expecting a you know a young demographic who was sort of you know really brought up on this emerging you know, industry and um, currency. And yet there was a real mix of ages. There was a real broad church. And, you know, people were sort of dressed in fancy fancy dress in some, some instances. Some people looked like they just rolled out of bed, track suits. Uh, some people wearing a full three-piece suit, uh, which you would have been very proud of. Um, so it was really, it was, it really opened my eyes to the fact that the, crypto industry had embraced lots of different people from all walks of life yeah i think also it's it's seen as it depends who you speak to right seen as a negative and a positive they look at people who attend some of these conferences and go well this is why it's still so immature etc cetera, etc cetera. 
these kind of characters. And it doesn't say, well, this is, you know, shows, as you mentioned, the diversity of the industry at the moment in terms of who's interested in it. Um, it might it might be people from traditional finance backgrounds. It might be sort of, like you said, the younger crowd, etc. So I think that's, that's quite interesting um, as well. In terms of the CZ story in that, when did it when did it change when did it go from you know this you know all the news was all good and everything seemed to be rosy and then some of the allegations started coming out and things got a little bit more murky yeah so i think in the last couple of years and this is a broader point here is that there's been a bigger push from regulators in particular in the us to um, to to sort of look and scrutinize a lot of these businesses. You've seen it across the board. You've seen it with FTX and Sam Bankman-Fried. We spoke about that a couple of episodes ago. You've seen it with Coinbase in the US. You've seen it with many different um, types of, of crypto firms. So it's a broader push. Where I, and, and with Binance, they've been an interesting one because they've always denied they're sort of based anywhere. Um, though I think a lot of their operations are out of the UAE. Um, the United Arab Emirates in the Middle East, and they they deny they've sort of got a, a single headquarters. Um, and so they've sort of, many regulators, and particularly in the US, have looked at them and, and grown suspicious of their activities and, and what they're up to. Um, and in the US, what's of particular concern is that Bin there's a Binance overall, and then there's a Binance US. And they were concerned that Binance, the bigger sort of parent company, was sort of, um, selling services to U.S. investors, but not actually being registered in the U.S. That's the that's the crux, really, of the com another complaint aside from this DOJ one we're talking about, but another complaint from the Securities and Exchange Commission. So that's something as well that people are looking at. So there's various different facets of this this Binance story and various different issues. Many um, people have 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 sort of or, or regulators are looking at, and so I think in the last couple of years that scrutiny has intensified. I think after the collapse of FTX, um, that scrutiny has intensified even more, uh, and so I think that's why we we are where we are now. There's been um, a lot of talk about you know, and we've spoken about previous episodes about the funding um, for terrorism uh, when it comes to cryptocurrencies. Um, that was also part of this, uh, was it not? Yeah, I think uh, the broader point about sort of anti-money laundering violations alleged by the DOJ uh, fed into that as well. I think Israel actually blocked a few or, or tried to ban a few Binance accounts that they alleged were linked to, to terrorism funding as well. Again, that's that's part of it. I think the picture the DOJ and the US prosecutors are trying to picture is or paint is is one of an exchange that um, you know hasn't played by some of these these rules that you know any company touching money should be. Mm. I think that's what they've they've painted for Binance for Binance's uh, future as well. You know that's that's where it get, gets interesting now. I think what, you know what happens next. No, C, uh, CZ is no longer the CEO. Uh, they have a new CEO, a guy called Richard Teng, who is the or who formerly was the CEO of Abu Dhabi Global Markets, the regulator over in in Abu Dhabi in the UAE. Um, and so I think now with with sort of him in charge, what Binance is trying to show is we've had our growing pains. We now have an adult in the room 
to some extent. Uh, and that's a sort of external thing they're trying to project to regulate it. Look, we have someone who knows regulation in charge now. We have someone who can discuss with regulators um, some of these issues and, and be compliant uh, with rules. And I think now that's really the image they're going to transform. Under CZ, CZ it was this kind of um, radical disruptor. Uh, someone who sort of was brash and uh, the company was was outspoken and 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 would not do what it wants, but certainly project a, uh, that kind of brashness. And I think under Richard Teng now going forward, particularly after this DOJ settlement, it'll be one that tries to look a lot more professional in its outfit. Yeah, you wonder though that Binance has sort of built its reputation on being that sort of sexy crypto exchange, and you know if you lose that figurehead who has embodied that um, that image, what is that sort of that company no longer is representing that same the same vibe really? Is it? Yeah, exactly. I mean, a, g- a great story. So, so I mentioned obviously that tweet by CZ, but one of the biggest stories he was actually involved in was the FTX collapse. Many have pointed to CZ as someone who has masterminded the collapse of FTX. He has vehemently denied that's the case. But I don't know if if our listeners know or remember, but at the end of last year, um, Binance had initially, um, you know, when when things were going south for, for, for FTX, Binance had said, initially said we'd acquire yeah, FTX. Yeah. You know, 24 hours did a U-turn. U-turned. Um, There's going to be a lot of U-turns in this episode, aren't there? Yeah. <laughs> they, uh, they, they backed out the deal and uh, Binance said, in the beginning, our hope was to be able to support FTX's customers to provide liquidity, um, but the issues are beyond our control or ability to help. Now, one of the reasons um, FTX got into the mess as it did was because Binance um, said it would sell a token called FTT, which is a token that was associated um, with FTX. Uh, and, and Binance's CZ said publicly that his company was selling its holdings um, in FTT. And that sort of sparked a collapse of the price. And it was after that they said, we'll acquire or we'll plan to acquire FTX. And so many have pointed to that saying, well, you know, CZ was quite integral to the collapse. Obviously, you know, it's debate because of the exposure FTX had to FTT and all these other other reasons. But that was a big story. But it, I think it underlines, the like I was talking about, the kind of the brashness, the the sort of outspoken nature of CZ. And, and, and the reason many people, I think, revered his character. And so you ask, what is Binance like? Now, going forward, I think professional. Um, will it lose its edge? Will it lose its dominant position without the person who took them to become the world's biggest crypto exchange? Well, that's the question I put to Carol Alexander, who's a professor um, of finance at the University of Sussex Business School. This is what she said. Well, Richard Tang specializes in security and compliance, and it's been known for about six months that he was going to step in to take CZ's position. Um, So they're definitely going to do their very best to comply. But of course, there are so many cases, as you say, it's not just the SEC and the Department of Justice. The number of class actions and individual civil disputes that the Hong Kong Arbitration Court needs to deal with for customers that have uh, you know, the, well, I can't go into too many details, but um, the lawyers in Binance are very busy. And of course, the, the senior staff have all been quitting. The general counsel's gone. The head of compliance has gone. Strategy, intelligence and 
and various um, CEOs, Binance US, of course. So they are in in problems. Um, I, I don't think they're going to um, be the dominant exchange going forward. So Carol Alexander, they're thinking that perhaps, you know, Binance's dominant position might be uh, starting to be eroded. Yeah, she's pretty she's pretty cool on on Binance there, isn't she? Um, doesn't doesn't sound too optimistic. Yeah, uh, there's lots of other factors as well, right? In terms of you know what's the competition like? We know there's other exchanges out there. FTX is out the way now. Um, you know that's partly also how Binance became such a big player. It took a lot of the customers there, but also you got a lot of other competitors there. The regulatory questions in the US still are a concern for a lot of these exchanges. How do they operate within the law? Will they continue to be, you know, um, sought after by the regulators? Um, that kind of thing. But, you know, clearly the the future of Binance as it stands uh, is at a bit of a crossroads. And the key is how they, um, how they continue to professionalize. Ambition to me is about doing better. I think ambition creates a pathway. The best advice I can give to someone starting off a career is don't have a career, have lots of careers, try loads of different things. Talk to people and put your ambition out there. I don't feel that I've hit peak ambition because it's a learning journey. CNBC is where ambition meets opportunity. What does living ambitiously mean to you? Hear it from our CNBC anchors, reporters and global business leaders on CNBC.com. There's a big chat at the moment that actually what will happen next year, and we, we touched upon this in our episode previously where we started talking about ETFs, Bitcoin ETFs, and we go back. But th- there's a thought that actually larger, more professional investors are going to get involved in crypto. And so maybe this is the time you need to look like a professional outfit. You know, if they're going to start buying crypto, an exchange needs to look like and act like a trustworthy vehicle to do so one of the things that um actually in that trip uh, to dubai which was a lot of focus on crypto and uh, and the industry at large but i had a number of conversations and one of them was that over the next few years we are going to see a number of these firms weed out a lot of players companies that are not serious or not set up properly and this is all part of the evolution of the industry. And, you know, that's no bad thing. Like, you know, people who are in this for the long run want these people, these businesses who aren't necessarily, you know, representing crypto in the right way out. And that that will happen. And that's people shouldn't be concerned when it comes to crypto that, that those things are happening. I mean, this is what they said. Let's see how it pans out over the next few years. Yeah, I think a lot of people will point to these issues that have happened. And I think right, rightfully, as you said, the view is that, well, FTX, Sam Bankman-Fried, Binance, CZ, these were just bad actors. This is not an issue with our industry or with crypto specifically. This is a issue of bad actors. That's what people have said, are saying about this. And so they use that to reason, well, you know, that means that this is good. You're taking the bad actors out, and now we can get back to focusing on the innovation. It's a it's a nice way to spin it. Looking at it the other way, right? Um, you know, um, let's see. Um, I, just going quickly to CZ for his 
um, future. I know that we haven't had the sentencing yet. That's to come. What are we expecting? Is this going to be, are we looking at like, you know, a Sam Bankman-Fried type um, char- um, sentencing? Could this be tens of years behind bars or is this something a little bit, could he even see uh, prison time? He may not even see prison time. Sentencing, we are awaiting. It may be a matter of months, but we're not looking at the sort of potential 100 plus years Sam Bankman-Fried is. CZ talked about this, his first comments, um, you know, not not long before we started recording this, but he he sort of said, I made mistakes. I must take responsibility. That was his quote. Um, and he said, Binance is no longer a baby. It is time for let, for me to let it walk and run. I know Binance will continue to grow and excel with the deep bench it has. And so that gives you the indication and that that picture they're trying to portray at least of, you know, this was a startup, we made some mistakes, we had some growing pains, now we're going to get all professional. That's the kind of view um, that they're trying to have. Um, It feels like a a well-managed exit. It does. Comparative to, say, SPFs. Um, yeah, you're right. Uh, you know, they he's he's there's a level of contrition there. He's accepted a plea. Or he's got come in, you know, into the plea, um, and 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 he's you know basically leaving the stage uh, with Binance, well, trying to keep Binance intact as much as possible. I mean, FTX was a was a complete collapse um, at that point because you had Sam Bankman Fried, you know, pleading not guilty to those charges. And then, you know, as part of the investigation, his closest allies turned against him and, and you know, testified against him. And that was a huge difference here. You've got, you know, CZ really sorting out his own plea deal with the DOJ, uh, coming to an agreement. Um, it seems like a clean transition, like, okay, we know who's going to take over now. Uh, and it seems like, uh, you know, what next for me, he asks in his ex-post. Um, I will take a break first. I've not had a single day of real phone off break for the last six and a half years. And after that, my current thinking is I'll probably do some passive investing, being a minority token slash shareholder in startups in areas of blockchain, Web3, DeFi, which stands for decentralized finance. We might do an episode on that at some point. Uh, AI and biotech. I'm happy that I will finally have some more time to spend looking at DeFi. I can't see myself being a CEO driving a startup again. I am content being a one-shot, lucky entrepreneur. So that's his plan. Right. Um, and then he says, on that note, I'm proud to point out that in our resolutions with the US agencies, they do not allege that Binance misappropriated any user funds and do not allege that Binance engaged in any market manipulation. Um, you know, one of the crux of the argument with the FTX was that there was these funds, customer funds that were being moved between two entities, FTX and Alameda. Um, so that was a bit of a dig, I think, at FTX. But it does seem a lot of a cleaner exit, done the plea, pay up the money, accept responsibility, and now he goes on his on his way and we'll see what he does next. But apparently he's going to go invest in some startups. Okay, Um just finally, I know we talked a little bit about crypto, where it leaves it, but is this, do you think this changes anything for the industry? I, I imagine probably not. The investors are still going to be there. Yeah, I think um, it hasn't really moved the needle on the prices. I think this 
FTX and now Binance sort of draws a line under two of the big overhangs on the industry. A lot of the industry and investors, I think, are looking at this as a good thing. Again, that that reasoning of this is a problem with a couple of people, not an entire industry. Um, that's the mentality they're going in with. Um, and I think they're looking forward to a number of positive things on the horizon. We spoke about a Bitcoin ETF in a previous episode. If that gets approved in the US, that could um, boost the price. Um, there's also something called the Bitcoin halving. Um, again, we, I think we've sort of briefly touched on it, but it's when the the rewards to the, the people who mine Bitcoin slash in half, therefore reducing supply, often that leads to a price rise. Uh, and there's also talk about whether the interest rate hikes in 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 the us and elsewhere will slow down or reverse in some way uh, and that could be positive for bitcoin um, as well which is seen as quite a risky asset uh, and one that perhaps people uh, will invest in in times of of lower interest rates when they might not be able to get good savings rates anywhere else and so that's uh, a few catalysts that i think the market is or the bulls anyway are really hoping for at this point Cool. All right. Um, let's find out what else has been happening in the world of tech. So OpenAI have had a busy week, should we say. Um, I, 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 one question I wanted to ask you is, do you think this has harmed the reputation of what has been seen as the leading generative AI company? Um, it's definitely not enhanced it. <laughs> it's, it's been a roller coaster. Um, where to start? Um so Sam Altman, CEO of OpenAI, ousted by the board um, less than a week ago. Then there was all this behind the scenes things happening with OpenAI's big investors. One of them is Microsoft, um, who were pushing very hard for him to be reinstated and the current board to quit. Um, and then the employees also uh, penning uh, a request for them to uh, reverse their decision. So Sam Altman had a lot of support internally um and then you know lo and behold uh the board's out a new board's in um and sam altman's back as ceo of uh open ai uh the board consists of these people now uh the former co-ceo of salesforce brett taylor the former u.s treasury secretary larry summers um adam d'angelo the ceo of quora this the question and answer site interestingly he was one of the members behind the board that ousted altman He's yeah. going to remain. Um, hopefully it's not awkward. Probably will be. Yeah. Um, but that's okay. That's fine. It's fine. They'll figure it out. Uh, and um, But I think that board composition is interesting. So you've got Brett Taylor, co former co-CEO of Salesforce, a public company. So he knows what compliance looks like, what taking a cup company public looks like, and what... Uh, what is expected of governance. Larry Summers, links to government, links to regulators, makes sense. Uh, and Sam Altman, back in default um, at the head. And this is a huge win for Microsoft. Actually, the whole situation was a win-win for Microsoft. Why, why is that? Because I had a conversation with someone in the lift this morning and they said, surely Nadella, um, Satya Nadella, the CEO of Microsoft, you know, from an outsider who doesn't know this story, looks like he's invited someone to his party and then the person's gone, actually, I'm going to go back to the party I was at because this isn't great. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's just a great way to put it, to be fair. You know... I don't what, agree with it, but I think it's a great way to put but it. From, from, that you could see it like that. Yeah. But it's not the case. 
I I personally believe it's not the case. I thought it was an absolute flex from Nadella. He's so talk me through it. Why so, why why why, why so, is so Sam Altman's there? out right and. Microsoft doesn't want this to happen. Nadella doesn't want this to happen. It'd rather, and I'll explain why, it'd rather Sam Altman stay at OpenAI and it carry on doing what it's doing. But anyway, Sam Altman's been ousted. Greg Brockman, the co-founder, says, I'm leaving too. I'm out as well. Um, and then there's a load of other people saying, we're out if Sam's out, all the employees. So Microsoft's gone, hmm, there's all this very, very talented people potentially available for hire in the next week or so. Let me bring Sam on board. Let me bring Greg Brockman on board. They're, they'll, they'll, they'll head our new AI lab. Great. We've got the founders of the technology that we love so much at OpenAI, the, the large language models underpinning chat, GPT, et cetera. Um, and now we've got a bunch of people who we could potentially hire in, in the next kind of few weeks and all build a brand new all, unit. And all very loyal to our new heads oh, of our AI division. Oh, what a win if it went that way. It didn't. So that, that's okay. That's, that's pretty good. But then, um, you know, behind the scenes, Microsoft and other investors were pushing Sam Altman back to the board of OpenAI. So, you know, it, it so happens that the, the board quit. Sam Altman goes back in, brings in some other very interesting people, Larry Summers, Brett Taylor into that. Now you've got a governance board, perhaps heavily influenced by Microsoft as well. Um, and that's, that's an even bigger win for Microsoft. One, because... Sasha Nadella, the CEO of Microsoft, has been probably behind the scenes driving a lot of this um, and therefore exerting influence and soft power behind the scenes over OpenAI. Now, he's probably got a board composition that he's pretty happy with. Sam Altman is now loyal to Nadella and Microsoft because of the way they've helped him get back as the CEO and, and, and had his back through all of it. And so Microsoft and Nadella could probably exert a little bit more influence now going forward over the direction of OpenAI that aligns with their goals of of you know, safe development of AI, but also staying ahead of the competition. And the second reason it's a win is when big companies like Microsoft swallow up small startups, I'm not saying OpenAI is small, it's a multi-billion dollar company, but when they swallow up startups that are operating nimbly already and quick and can innovate and can stay ahead of the competition, um, often that pace of innovation, that nimbleness, all of that, might fade away within a big organization. You can't move as fast. There's a lot more uh, barriers to, to jump through and, and, and et cetera. So now that OpenAI stayed separate, Sam's back at the helm. They can keep that startup mentality. Microsoft has perhaps a little bit more influence over it. They have a closer working relationship. Sam Altman is is um, loyal to, to uh, Nadella and Microsoft. That's a great situation for Microsoft to be in right now at a time when they're just facing intense competition from Google and Amazon and others as well. Um, this has been masterfully, well, we'll see. I think this has been masterfully played by is, the is game there, of chess. Is there a Machiavellian something something going on behind the scenes? Who knows? Maybe Nadella's party was just really rubbish. Though. Yeah, probably quite dry. Maybe the canapes weren't great. Yeah, not enough booze. and Yeah. yeah. Um, one question I do have, though, is... Why did they oust Sam Altman? I know that the public that the, they publicly said that he wasn't divulging information or he wasn't being clear and honest with the board. But it seems I don't know. It, uh, that's the question I have. Like, what did Sam Altman do to 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 cause the board to make such drastic and sudden maneuvers to to get rid of him? Yeah, I honestly don't know. 
this is this is one of those things that we're going to learn more about in the coming weeks as we start to you know make some phone calls and hear hear from people as part of you know it's still uh, the dust is still settling as they say so i think it is fascinating because that public statement when he was ousted was just very um unclear as to what exactly exactly happened and what led up to it uh, i do feel like we'll, we'll hear some more about that Okay, uh, and finally, we uh, want to talk a bit about NVIDIA uh, because they had some good news, I think, uh, this <laughs> today uh, or this week. And uh, But yet, the investors are maybe a little bit um, not concerned, but wary of what um, the future holds for the company. Um, talk to us a little bit about that. Um, NVIDIA. They make the graphics processing units, these chips that train up these big AI models, um, like the ones that underpin chat GPT, had phenomenal growth. Revenue in, in the in the September quarter grew over 200% year on year. Um, but investors are concerned about a couple of things. Well, the main thing is really China. So the US government has some export restrictions in place to stop advanced AI chips being exported by US companies to China. NVIDIA comes under those restrictions. So one of its big chips, the uh, H100, um, got banned, and that's one of its leading chips. But then last year, the, the government, or sorry, this year, the government tightened up some of those controls to, to stop more NVIDIA chips uh, being uh, sent to China. And these include some of the slightly uh, less powerful uh, chips as well. And so what NVIDIA said on its earnings call, this is a C CFO, that it expects sales to certain destinations, including China, will decline significantly in the fourth quarter of fiscal 2024, um, i.e. the current quarter we're in, um, though the company said it believes the decline will be more than offset by strong growth in other regions. But the problem is China is about 20 to 25% of NVIDIA sales. So if there is a significant blow to NVIDIA in China, then, you know, um, and, and significant restrictions to exporting, then that could really impact a huge chunk of its revenue. So they almost want to dumb it down, don't they? The, this, 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 you know, huge revenue um, forecast, um, just because, you know, the future is a little still uncertain. A little still uncertain. I think, you know, investors still believe that NVIDIA is the only game in town when it comes to the the chips, the semiconductors right now that can train these big AI models. And I think that's what they're sort of banking on at the moment still. Okay. Um, all right, we'll leave it there. Um, but before we finish, we do have stat of the week. 10.2 billion. Uh, the value of open AI. No. I, I no. was a bit dry. Your streak is broken, My streak Dom. is broken. It's over. Oh, it's over. You had a good run. <laughs> you had a good run. Um, it is Changpeng Zhao's CZ's net worth as of now. Not bad. At its peak, it was about 65 billion. It's come down a bit. Um, it's lost a bit of net net wealth. Net wealth, but still, still, still doing better than most people. Yeah, um, yeah. You wouldn't say no. I'd love a ten point two billion net worth. You know, cash injection. Yeah, cash would injection. help with those renovations, wouldn't it? It would help with those renovations. Yeah, yeah. don't talk about that. <laughs> Sore subject. 
Okay. Very sore subject. <laughs> we'll leave it there uh, as Arjun picks up his paintbrush and his overalls and heads home. <laughs> Happy painting. Um, that's it for this episode. Uh, thanks everyone for for listening and tuning in. Uh, but but before, before you go, please follow and subscribe to the show. And if you have any questions, as I mentioned at the top of the show, uh, please email beyondthevalley at cnbc.com. Um, Enjoy your um, DIY, Arjun, and thank you. Thank you, Tom. We'll be back next week for another episode of Beyond the Valley. Goodbye. Beyond the Valley.